Kia ora welcome to Queenstown Life Podcast. Um, I am here with a very special woman, Tony Street. Good <laughs> goddamn morning. We've survived another week, barely. Uh, I know, I know. It is a, um, it's a weird time of year. People are dropping like flies, but we're here. It is, we are here. Um, Tony is a New Zealand TV presenter and sports commentator and author of the book Lost and Found, covering the grief of losing siblings and her surrogacy journey. That's a pretty big topic to talk about on a Friday at 9.34 a.m. <laughs> Not light, um, is it? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I was going to start with, I have this thing called um, choice points. So they are points in your life where you go that way or you go that way. And I was looking at some of your stuff this morning and last week and I was reading about so you went you did a sports um you studied sports at Lincoln University is that that's right well I actually studied commerce but right. I was on a sports scholarship for cricket okay. so, so I was doing both yeah and was this was the sport thing uh, uh, like was that a choice point for you to go that way or to go into journalism um I think probably the choice point came in my last year of high school when I was deciding what to do and I did the commerce degree kind of as a backup for journalism. Like it. And I think at the end of my degree, at the end of the three years of, of, of Lincoln, that was a that was a choice point for me because it was do I go and do my postgraduate diploma in journalism or do I try and look for a job in commerce? And it was one of those things where Journalism kind of doesn't doesn't feel like a real job. I think most journos will say that to you. It feels like it's a passion and it's a potluck whether you get a job. That's how it yeah. felt anyway. Um, but I decided to give it a go, applied for a course which took 20 people, and then I never looked back, and I'm so glad I did. So good. So good, eh? Like when you look back at those points in your life and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's actually, there's been a few like that for me, actually. Um, another one came when I decided to leave Seven Sharp, which was the current affairs program I was yep. hosting. And I'd hosted it for four years. And I loved it. I loved my job. I loved the team. Um, you know, it was prime time using current affairs. It's kind of what you work towards as a journalist, but it wasn't fitting with my family. And that was probably the hardest uh, professional decision I've had to make because people don't walk away from jobs like that. Usually yeah. you leave kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, so that was probably the hardest in terms of my career, hardest decision to make. But it also opened up a new career for me in radio. And now I feel like I've got a way better balance between my job and my family. But isn't that interesting how probably more women have to make that decision? You know, yes. like yeah. we we have to think. I, I was talking to somebody this morning about, you know, her partner, she her and her partner are split up. And I used to coach her and she, you know, she's got a business and it's struggling, she's got kids to look after. And I said, you know, you you have to go back and kind of think about when you've got these decisions that you need to make, like have a list of values that are really, really, really important to you. And it kind of, when you've got it like a, you know, like a checklist, it kind of gives you a bit of an out to go, this decision's in front of me and it's really difficult to make, but actually I've got this list to back me up. So I can, if I stick to this, at least in the future, when I look back, I can go, do you know what? There was a reason why I chose that because it was really, really important to me. Yeah. It felt like a hard decision at the time, but I'm a big believer in your gut feeling. 
And I was getting quite stressed as it was getting closer to the time that my daughter was about to start school, that the job at Seven Sharp wasn't going to work because I wouldn't be able to see her at pickup and I wouldn't see her till after eight and then she'd be asleep. And that was really weighing on me. And my gut feeling was I wasn't going to cope with that. So in the end, I made my decision based on my gut feeling and my values. And, and then that decision was right. And you know what? I could have probably made it work. I could have made it work. My husband could have maybe parred back his hours and we could have got some help, but then I would have been missing out. And the more the older my kids get, the more I realize it's actually quite a small amount of time. Oh my God. Isn't it? Before they get independent and don't need you and you can't be as involved. And I didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah, I know. And you know, like we were laughing the other night because my, my daughter's nearly six and I was like, she's like, I'm so big mom. And I'm like, you actually are so big, but then you're so little, you know, when you see them in their like swimming costumes and you're like, you're still so tiny and little. But then we laughed at that, you know, when they go from like, they, they start school and the day becomes like 14 seconds long. It does. It does. And I don't know how they learn anything because I don't get anything done in those school hours. Um, and, and I finish my radio show and then I have this window where I, I can get stuff done. But if I throw a netball practice in, then it's even smaller. And then the week just flies by and so funny. nothing gets done. So <laughs> funny. Now, here's the, this is a random off point. But I asked um, on my Instagram page last week and I got flooded. I got 100 people, women, who messaged me because I said, my kid is six and still doesn't often sleep through now and I think it's an absolute fallacy that there are thousands and millions of children around the world that everyone thinks oh they hit a certain age and they sleep through and there was all these women that were like oh my god one o'clock bang on a.m kid slide into bed do your kids sleep through oh they're all over the show (laughs) um I was one of those mums where they actually technically slept through quite early not that I would say that at the time because no new mum wants to hear that right Um, but they technically slept through but then you think you've nailed it and I remember uh, one of my children started sleeping through at 12 weeks but then four weeks later she was um, having an upset tummy so she then she started not sleeping through the night and then teething comes along and then um, one of them gets a little bit of anxiety so it's it's like um, up and down the whole way. None of the three have consistently slipped through the night. No. no I, I'm, <laughs> and I said, we, you know, there's all these parents literally walking around the world operating heavy machinery on like 14 minutes sleep. Oh, absolutely. And and I, um, because I get up so early for my job, now that my kids are the 10, 8 and nearly 5, Um, my husband will do the get up if one of them gets up in the night because I'm getting up at four for my radio show which I'm quite I'm quite lucky that he does yeah 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 um but I can still I I still hear them come in luckily now they're at the age where you just walk them back to bed and they'll go to sleep but before five it took more time in the night and that's a killer total killer absolutely oh my god um I was like, last night, it was like four times. I'm like, what is it you want? She's like, I don't know. I just started to come in. And I'm like, it's 4 a.m. Like, For a wee chat. Two hours. It's fine. Um, now, your book, wow, like incredible what you share um, in that. The, the, the stories that you share about grief for you and what, you know, what led you to take the journeys that you took. took. Um, the bit that I read a little bit that I read about you, you talked about your mum having no one to talk to. 
about grief and how that's led to you talking more. And I often think we don't know the weight of the stuff that our parents carried because, you know, until I suppose I don't mean I suppose until you're a parent, you don't know what it feels like, but you still even if you don't have kids can talk to your parents about what went on for them when they were having babies and et cetera, et cetera. How has that allowed you to talk to your kids about that stuff that's really weighty? Because yeah. I think I think we're in an era now. I mean, I'm I was laughing because I'm Generation X, you know, the, that that weird generation that like it's just kind of made it up as they went along. But how we are like the first generation of people who are having those ha- hard conversations with our kids. Yes, how well, do you I, do that? I feel like it was definitely a different time. And in my mum's case, um, it was, you know, a farming lifestyle where, and I, I've talked about this in the book, um, you got on with it, she'll be right, um, you just pressed on. And I think, you know, that's changed a lot. Everyone's encouraged to talk more and to talk it out. And in, in some cases, and this is probably a topic for another day, in some cases, I think perhaps we actually almost talk too much I have a feeling sometimes I think you can almost manifest problems if you are constantly looking for things totally. um, and I think there's a happy medium there somewhere where your kids have got to be able to talk to you but you also don't want to be looking for issues and they go oh is that actually wrong with me it's like no no you didn't actually need to even go there with them yeah um but I yeah I think writing a book is a is a is a really good way to have conversations that you might not necessarily have yeah because I suppose it's that I suppose you start writing and then and then the stuff kind of comes as you're doing there's my it mom. there's my mum in the back there's your mom just leaving hey, hey Tony's mom oh. <laughs> oh, I love it yeah I, I love it about it's her as she leaves the yeah. room we were we were laughing because we we've um I was saying the other day I interviewed Susie Wiles during lockdown and her cat came in and like knocked over the whole computer and she's like just give me a minute just give me a minute I was like Susie you got more important things to worry about like it's all right it's all right yeah um no I totally agree with you I mean I look I work in the family violence space and I and I often we, we, you know, we deal with lots, we talk to lots of parents about the ways to talk to kids about certain things. And often it's actually slowing down those conversations and saying, you, you, you know, there's, there's certain things kids need to know and certain things that actually you are the captain of their ship. So you, you actually don't need to share that stuff. They need to know the little bits of information that they need to know so they can go off and skateboard and eat sweets and be with their friends and all that stuff. Yes, and I totally agree with that because um, my daughter's um, got a little bit of anxiety at the moment and it's a it's such a balance to sitting her down and saying, okay, what's wrong? Let's go through it. But not getting her to think there's something wrong with me because in all, in all reality, it's probably a little phase she's going through. Yeah. She's generally not an anxious kid and you don't want to make it too heavy for them so that they are burdened by it and they are searching for things that are wrong. And I think that you want to talk, but you don't want to talk too much that they yeah. can, can go out and skateboard and they don't have the weight of their world yeah totally yeah, yeah I totally agree and I said to somebody the other day we you know people think that women talk a lot together and they do but I think we're not the best we find it really difficult about talking about you know rage about shame about failures about the things that we've fucked up you know I I think we we find it really hard to talk about the ugly side of us because I think we're painted as these you know perfect 
beautiful things that need to do what it is, whatever we, we have to do. But actually those ugly sides of us are part of us. Oh, totally. And we need to talk about more. And I think too, when it, when it comes to you being a mother and your children, it can be quite hard to admit if you've got things wrong. And one thing that I really value in, in my life is I have, and this is where technology is brilliant, right? And it's something that my mum never had. Yeah. We have WhatsApp groups and I have a whole lot of different WhatsApp groups. It might be for the netball team. It might be for the kids rugby team. But I've also got a group of four mums at school that I know I can say anything too. And I can say, you know, one of my kids is having a really hard time. What do you think I should do? Or I've had a shocker. I didn't enroll her in the right class. Um, and maybe perhaps in a bygone era, you might've not admitted that and just tried to find, figure it out yourself. But now with a click of a button, I can kind of share that with them and get yeah. their perspective. And then you feel like if I share that I've done something wrong, they will do it too. And then you feel like everyone is going to screw up at some point and you feel better about it so absolutely. I think technology can be really good for mums in that respect yeah absolutely I've got an amazing friend who's like you did that you shouted you 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 know you were grumpy you said something you shouldn't repair it move on like that's it and it's like she's really? like I've done it a thousand times you have to just repair it move on and I'm like okay I got this it's all right it's all right I also think our kids um need to see that we're not perfect too yeah we, they don't want to see the perfect you know mother that is always watching your p's and q's and never gets angry or never has emotion because what a standard to live up to if that's what they feel like they need to be yeah totally and I wrote down like I know you said in the book that you'd never there's a quote from you that says you'll never do anything that'd make your parents pain worse but then how do you fail and flail and let people down because you're gonna do that Oh, I'm not I'm not good at it and do you know what even before you know the tragedy that my family faced and losing my brother when he was 14 I was wired that way anyway I think you have that in you or you don't and I'm, I'm a perfectionist and I don't like failing and I still find it quite hard to be honest um, but as I've got older I've realized that you have to let go and I think when I got really sick with my autoimmune disease I had to let people help me. I had yeah. no other choice. I had a six week old baby that I couldn't look after and I had no choice. And I hate letting people help me normally, but that that whole episode taught me that you don't have to carry everything yourself. And sometimes you cannot, and it's fine to let people help you. And actually they like to help you. You're not a burden on them. So I, I feel like I learned quite a lot from that. And that was um, eight years ago. So I feel like I'm way better at letting people help me now and delegating more. Yeah. Oh, well, I think once you do it, like I started, the, I started to like ask for help I got a coach I got a you know I got an accountant I got a somebody to do social media I got and the day that I actually let go and started to offload it you can't stop it yeah it's like this is great I can get all these people to do all these things but not in a like I I need I'm now gonna just dump all my stuff on people but actually oh my god I was carrying this in my backpack around with me yep that it's so heavy it's, it's heavy so yep. heavy and I also think if you try and do everything you're actually also setting an unattainable standard for everyone else yeah and um you're not meaning to but you're actually you know people feel like they have to do that too and it makes everyone like a frazzled mess you're actually better to just 
you know, let everyone have their role. Everyone can help you when you need to because it, it works in roundabouts, right? It comes yeah. back around. You don't have to carry it all yourself. And, you know, it's not going to hurt anyone to take over a certain job. So letting go, I think, is really important because perfect's not a thing. It's just not a thing. No one it's can. It's not a thing. It is. And, it, and, it, and I suppose for you, you know, a thousand times louder because you're in the public eye. People are watching what you do. You know, I was just watching that thing about the weight loss scam bullshit oh. thing that you had to go through. It's still going. It's still well, going right now. I, I just iterations. I can't even, well, I can't imagine because I'm not in that focus. You know, I'm not out in the, the world like that. But just that, like, it just reiterates to people that there's this unattainable standard that we have to adhere to, especially as mums, as women, you know, and the more we we fight, we have to fight against that and say, actually, it's this is un, unachievable. And our children need to learn that that is unachievable. Otherwise, that cycle just perpetuates goes yeah. round and round and round totally you would not believe with this weight loss game so it's come around about three times now in different iterations and every single day I get dms on my instagram from women I'm assuming mainly kiwi women who have fallen for the scam or they'll say to me I'm about to buy these weight loss gummies that you're advertising I'm like oh, oh. nothing to do with me and and then they'll query them they'll say the, the the before photos I know that you took steroids and put on weight but I don't think I've ever seen you like that and then I have to go back and say they're doctored images um someone's stolen them it's got nothing to do with me so a lot of people are getting sucked in by it and it's it's really sad I can't do anything about it and to think that they think that I'm flogging these weight loss gummies I mean I'm telling you now um I, I know a weight loss gummy doesn't work not that I've ever tried one but you know <laughs> But also like that, you know, that looks at people's sense of self, but also your sense of self, because, you know, it's, it's just, it's huge when you start unpacking the layers of that as an oh, industry. Totally. And, and the messages usually um, start with, I didn't think you would be an advocate for a weight loss gummy. And I'm like, you're exactly right. You should have just stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that line right there and stop yeah. that there. Oh my God. Um, so Changing tack just slightly, um, I, I really wanted to, to look at the, you know, the conversation around surrogacy in New Zealand, because I've been also been following um, the dads, the two dads online. And so I, I don't mean we like, I don't want you to have to go into this four hour conversation about it, but I know it's really important to you. And I wouldn't even, where do people start? So what is, is there a message that you want to get out there about where people start? Yeah. And, and what help there is for people. The starting part's actually quite difficult because it's different for everyone. So in my case, I had someone that wanted to be a surrogate for me. And that can often be the hardest part for people. Mm -hmm. So our starting point was she had the conversation with me. We decided investigate it and we went to fertility associates which I think is in a lot of places around the country now 
um, and fertility associates talked us through everything. They explained the ECART process, which is uh, the process you have to go through in New Zealand to actually be able to go through a surrogacy. You need to get the big tick first. And that involves Oranga Tamariki vetting you, yeah. understanding that you're going to have to adopt your own genetic child, if it in fact is. Um, so it's a lot to get your head around and it does take a long time. So if someone is going through the surrogacy process, I would start it early because you can go through that process doing all the investigating, getting all the ticks and not go through the surrogacy process if you still don't want to. But you don't want to say, I need a surrogate now and it's going to take you at least six months to a year. So you don't want to be time pressured is what I'm saying. Um, in terms of actually finding a surrogate, that is difficult um, because I think Obviously, it's easier if you've got someone and you're in a circle that is willing to do it for you, but some people just don't. And, and I know there are people who want to be surrogates just because they're great people. I have a friend of mine, and she won't mind me saying, I worked with her for years at TVNZ, Kelly Addison. And Kelly and I had a couple of conversations at work about the fact that she wanted to be a surrogate. She um, wasn't going to have any kids of her own, but she felt like she, you know, this was her purpose. And in the end, we, I actually ended up connecting her with someone that had got in touch with me on Instagram needing a surrogate and they ended up having, uh, she ended up helping this family. Wow. So I think there is, it's a little bit of, um, you know, you just need to take the first step and then the doors open for you. But I do know that Christian and Mark, who are at Love From Your Dads on Instagram, have a surrogacy register now where people that are prepared to do that for others will put up their bios online and then you can go and investigate it that way. But also at the moment, government legislation is in the works now to change all of the rules. And thank goodness they're changing because what a oh. ball ache. Oh my, well, not even a ball ache. It's just like what? <laughs> oh, it's just so bizarre to have to actually adopt your own genetic child when, you know, people have their own children every single day and to be vetted by Oranga Tamariki and, and to take their resources to be vetted. I had a friend of mine have to go through um, and say why my husband and I had a good marriage, you know, this intermediary. So it was just bizarre. So all of those things, I was part of the committee that um, did all these submissions to the law commission to get them changed. So I think it will make a huge different pit difference for people in accessibility. Yep. The, same, the same problem will remain though, and that will be um, just trying to find a surrogate that you trust um, because commercial surrogacy won't be a thing in New Zealand still yeah yeah I, I I would find that question interesting about what makes a good marriage I'd be like well I make him toast in the morning and you know I dump his clean clothes on the floor you can pull him away himself <laughs> yeah oh well it was she also had to answer how we how we resolve conflict like how's she supposed to know that happens at home <laughs> We don't scream at each other normally in public. All the time. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Um, amazing. Okay. Are you ready for your quick fire round? Yes. Uh, I feel most attractive when? I am wearing my favorite sweatshirt, a pair of jeans, and I've just had a shower, washed my hair, and I've had 10 hours of sleep. I love it. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, oh please let me have that this weekend. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, boundaries to me are? Boundaries to me are doing the things I want to do and not feeling obligated to do lots of things. 
Love it. Uh, the person who intimidates me most. Uh, person who intimidates me most. Oh, this is a hard one. I'm not easily intimidated. Uh, possibly. I can't even think of someone that intimidates me, to be honest. I, oh, don't, get right. in, I don't get easily intimidated. That's all right. I find the word <laughs> intimidation really interesting. It is. Because it's like, are they, they often probably wouldn't mean to be. It's a really interesting word. It's, it's yeah, it's almost, um, it's your perception of someone, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's on your bedside table? I have uh, four books because I am doing a book club for my radio show, Coast Breakfast, and I'm trying to read all four at the same time. I have a, a Koya candle. I have, um, I don't have a lamp because I have one of those lamps that hangs from the ceiling, best hack ever, so that I don't, yes. don't knock it off. I have pawpaw cream because I have a rash at the moment, too much information, I know. Uh, and I will always have my cell phone because if I don't have it there, I will miss my 4am alarm. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, something you want to learn? I would love love to learn more of um, the art of floristry so I did a course on how to tie a beautiful bouquet um, I'm quite into that creative side I love florals so I'd love to do another course so that I can um, wrap and make my own fresh flowers I love it um, hot bath or hot shower hot shower I don't have time for a bath even though it sounds lovely come on uh, and you're a book you would recommend oh um the book I'm reading at the moment actually is really good. I'm nearly finished. It's called Everybody Hurts. It's right on my bedside at the moment. Hang on. Everybody hurts all the time. Hang on. Wait there. Give me two seconds. <laughs> I'll do a musical interlude. La, 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 la. Here it is. I love everything it. It's beautiful and everything hurts by Josie Shapiro. Um, and it says here that it won the Ellen and Unwin Fiction Prize. Um, and oh, I'm, I have seen my friends got that. I've seen them. I not recognize the front cover. Yeah, and it's I'm nearly finished it. And it's about this uh, young girl that has dyslexia, and she has some body image issues, and she doesn't have a lot going on for her in her life. And then she discovers running and she discovers she's really, really good at running. And it's, I just love it because it's, it's about finding a passion that changes your life. And I don't know what happens in the end, but so far I love it. I'm sporty as well. So I love all of the training side of it. She talks yeah. a lot about yeah. um, training for marathons and, and pushing herself to the limit. So I love this. Also Ooh. the dynamic between her and her father. It's really good. I am going to have a look for that. Tony Street, thank you so much. I hope you rash gets better <laughs> thank you i'm gonna go and put some more pawpaw cream on it um and i hope you have a wonderful day you too see you soon